1: The FT. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today are Sam Fleming, our financial policy correspondent, Daniel Schaefer, our investment banking correspondent, and Richard Hopkin, a guest from the Association for Financial Markets in Europe, where he is head of fixed income. This week we'll be discussing the ECB's latest policy initiatives to boost bank lending. Secondly, we'll take a look at the pay debate once again as investment bankers cause irritation in Brussels as they skirt bonus payments. And finally, over to Scotland and the latest nervousness around the independence vote. First, though, to that topic of the ECB's latest efforts to try and deal with a fairly stagnant economy in Europe, and particularly to boost the capacity of banks to to help revive things uh, in terms of business lending and so on. Richard Hopkin, AFMI's Head of Fixed Income, joins me now to talk about that policy initiative last week. Richard, a lot of what came out from uh, Mario Draghi, the head of the ECB, was expected. But some of the details around these ideas for reviving the uh, asset-backed securities market were interesting and new. Yes, very
2: interesting. And uh, uh the other interesting uh fact I think which I was just doing a little bit of research this morning, um the ECB has actually spoken positively about securitization in Europe something like 15 times this year alone. Uh so this latest announcement was just the latest in uh, in many announcements that they've made.
1: That is interesting in itself, isn't it? Because if you think back to in the immediate aftermath of the financial crisis, and securitization generally was a dirty word, it was associated with a lot of the mayhem of the of the crisis. But policymakers have come around to thinking that it's an essential part of the uh, the makeup of markets. That's right, they have.
2: And I think the ECB has always been one of the most consistent uh, on this topic. I mean, the point about securitization is, uh, it's a tool, like, like any other tool, and it can be used for good purposes or for bad purposes. It's a bit like a car, you know. Cars by themselves don't cause accidents. It's the people driving the cars that cause the accidents. So if uh, securitization is, is, is properly regulated and used sensibly, then it can create very positive aspects for the financial markets. Two main functions. Uh, one, it can provide incremental funding that might not otherwise be available. But secondly, and most importantly, it can also function as a risk management tool to enable banks to free up regulatory capital on their balance sheets and free up space for more lending to the real economy.
1: So, Mr Draghi's uh, announcement last week, what does it do exactly? Does it address both of those issues? No,
2: it just addresses the funding issue. And perhaps we can come along in a moment to talk a bit more about the capital side of things. On the funding side, um, I th- I think it's, it is a positive statement. Um, I think the more positive signalling we can have around securitisation, the better. It's um, uh, good, for example, that it includes um, RMBS as well as SME loans. Um, it's good that it, it uh, apparently includes new and existing ABS. So it's not just um, the current flow, which is which is a little bit subdued, but it
1: also will apply apparently to existing stock. And, and just to be clear on this, what Mr Draghi has said is that although... ABS like this could for some time now have been posted as collateral with the ECB for for repo funding. Now there's going to be wholesale purchase of these ABS in the market, as you say, pr- both primary and secondary.
2: That's right. And I think that's the key difference from the support that the ECB has given to date. It's been indirect support so far through the, uh, the, the various repo schemes. Um, this is outright purchases of simple and transparent ABS, which is what President Draghi was referring to.
1: So the big question is, will it work? I mean, this is a small... Market, it's, It shrunk to, I think, the issuance last year was was less than €40 billion, euros, a tiny fraction, about 20% of what it was back in 2007. Even if it does work to some extent, can ABS make a difference more broadly to to the capacity of banks to actually lend? Well, what I think we really need
2: for securitization to help the real economy and Europe's financial system is for it to regain its function as a risk management tool, which I mentioned earlier on. Um, it's not just about funding. It, it also needs to be much more about transferring the risk, enabling banks to free up the regulatory capital on their balance sheets and therefore enable them to lend more. I mean, securitization, when it's used as a risk management tool, the best way to think about it is as, as a way of recycling capital. It doesn't enable banks to raise capital at all and if you want to do that you should go out and issue issue equity but if you want to recycle your capital and use it more efficiently particularly for capital intensive assets like SME loans which by their nature are you know relatively risky depending on you know what kind of SME you're talking about particularly for that asset class I think the risk the risk transfer function is really critical and that's where I think it's very important for uh, there to be um, some kind of um, one. One of the things we've called for in the past, for example, is for government support, perhaps for mezzanine tranches of um, SME loans. Now, to be fair to the ECB, that it's not their function to deliver that. So, you know, we very much welcome the ECB support. I think they've it, it's overall a very po- positive statement, very encouraging. It'll help. Um, we hope on, on on the funding side, but the funding side is not where is, is not what's going to make the real difference. It, it's the risk transfer that needs to be sorted out.
1: Okay, thank you for that, Richard. Um, Sam, you've been listening to that and obviously you uh, were looking closely at what um, the ECB announced last week. Do you think that industry view is representative of the general sense of what uh, the ECB uh, announced last week and... um, you know, what what goes on
0: from here, really? Well, I suppose there's some scepticism in terms of the size of the market and thus the amount of ABS that, that can be purchased by the uh, ECB. There were some numbers out this morning from Deutsche Bank. They've been crunching these numbers, suggesting that the, the goal, the implicit goal that Draghi set of a, a 1 trillion euro balance sheet expansion by the ECB to take it back to 2012 levels is pretty challenging if you're trying to execute it via... ABS purchases. They also have the TLTRO, which could can contribute. That's to that. the uh, that's the long term
1: refinancing program, which is targeted now. A new one starting this Relaunched, month, I think, yeah. uh,
0: targeted at SME lending. Plus, there's cover bond purchases that they can do as well. But certainly, they thought that half of the trillion expansion would be fairly easily achievable. Beyond that, it gets uh, more difficult. I suppose a lot of this is to do with signalling, as ever, with central banks, um, and we've talked very much about a funding, expansion of funding to the private sector as the goal of this. There is a second goal, which, of course, is the depreciation of the currency. That's clearly an implicit goal rather than an explicit goal, but it's certainly um, that will be one of the things that ECB, some ECB policymakers, at least, will be hoping to see as a result of this, and then leaving open a very big question mark, of course, about this, the possibility of public QE, purchase of public assets rather than just private sector assets. Full-blown QE. Full-blown QE proper, which really would, I suspect, hit the currency. See how long it takes to get there. Yeah. Um, Thank you both for that. Our second
1: topic of the day is back to the vexed topic of investment banker bonuses. So Daniel Michel Barnier, the European Commissioner, has expressed great unease about the way in which investment banks seem to be getting around the bonus restrictions. What exactly is irking him and um, does it matter?
3: Yes it does matter a lot actually. Several banks in the city of London, international banks, US banks as well as UK banks have in the past few months come out with plans to uh, and got them approved by the the UK regulator to pay so-called allowances which are fixed payments in in a similar way as salary uh, in the sense that they are paid monthly or quarterly but they are non-pensionable and they can be reviewed each year and they've come out with these plans to to pay allowances because basically they by paying them they want to sidestep the the so-called Euro, european union-wide bonus cap which basically limits the the amount of bonuses a banker can be paid to up to 100% uh, of salaries or 200% with approval by the shareholders now what mr banier has done he's complained to the european banking authority in a letter saying he's very worried about the use of allowances and that they might actually uh, contravene the bonus cap rules the big question i suppose is is, is he right because
1: presumably these banks uh, all of whom will have employed some very clever lawyers to come up with the, the This construct, I'm sure, will have um, operated within the certainly the letter of the new rules. And as you say, uh, it's all been approved by the UK regulator. Isn't this just an outgoing European commissioner having
3: a a, a bit of fun uh, and rhetoric as he he leaves his job? The problem is it might not be uh, the case uh, that it's only that because regardless of whether one thinks that they are contravening the law or only the spirit of the law or the letter of the law, the European Banking Authority is is at the moment looking thoroughly at the uh, use of allowances, and they will come out with a with guidelines on it very soon. And they can, uh, while these guidelines aren't binding, uh, and they can't force uh, national authorities to to change their policies on that they can actually force somebody like the the, the PRA, the Prudential Regulation Authority in the UK, which is responsible for allowing uh, these allowances, uh, they can force them to say why they are doing this and to explain themselves to the EBA. And in the last resort, the EBA can also force banks directly to change their policies on this. And given that the EBA has been quite sceptical a few months ago when they, about the use of allowances, when they came out with their review of it, um, there is actually a chance that they will say this is against maybe not only the spirit, but also the letter of the law.
1: It feels like we may be uh, heading for a fight between the EBA uh, as the umbrella organisation for European regulators and the PRA. Uh, we'll keep watching that topic as it unfolds. Finally, for today, we're looking at Scotland, where 10 days ahead of the referendum there on independence, it seems as if tempers are rising and funds, anecdotally, may be moving from Scottish accounts, bank accounts and investment accounts south of the border. It's very difficult to know whether this is just rumour or fact or if it is fact then in what quantity. But Sam, you've been
0: taking a look at this as well. What's your sense of um, how big an issue this is? Well, the markets are certainly now really beginning to wake up to the threat of a, a split in the United Kingdom You've seen the pound down to a 10-month low this morning, uh, small rise in gilt yields, uh, declines in the share prices of Royal Bank, of Scotland, Lloyds as well, um, Standard Life also off. So uh, uh, really the leading decliners on the, on the FTSE this morning have been the financial institutions uh, most exposed to changes in the currency arrangements between Scotland and the rest of the United Kingdom. It would not be surprising if we saw some people beginning to move their uh, money in, in ahead of a potential split in the United Kingdom, simply because of the risk of redenomination of the currency that they are holding their accounts in. We saw this, for instance, uh, during the euro crisis, where some people moved money out of Greece because they were worried about Greece leaving the euro and their euros being turned into something else. Uh, obviously, the uh, Alex Salmond pitch is that there will be a currency union, and so they would remain holders of pounds in their bank account, but the three main Westminster parties have completely rebutted that, saying that would not be the case. So it would not be surprising, I said, to see some people starting to get jitters.
1: And what does that translate into in in terms of real life impact as I said at the start so anecdotal suggestions of, of people actually moving their money you cite the Greece parallel there there really was quite a significant movement of funds if that were to happen in this case how serious
0: would it be? Well, it would clearly be very serious for the banks most exposed, which are Royal Bank of Scotland, Lloyds, potentially Clydesdale as well, is worth thinking about. The Bank of England has said it will act as lender of last resort for the entire United Kingdom. And so as long as Scotland remains formally a legal part of the United Kingdom, it will be the lender of last resort and therefore provide liquidity if there is a loss of liquidity in any of those uh, financial institutions. However, that obviously then leaves a big question if there were to be a split and there were to be a redenomination about the liabilities being incurred by those institutions to the Bank of England because of any interventions that it had to make. Mark Carney, the governor, has said very little about this beyond saying that there are contingency plans in place uh, to deal with any uh, dislocation that happens in the financial sector. But those contingency plans presumably would include the use of the discount window and other liquidity operations that are pretty generous and very extensive. In the end, the Bank of England can lend as many pounds as it wants if it sees fit to uh, underpin the financial system. I mentioned
1: something there. We've been talking about something that may be happening. We don't know if and in what quantity this shift of funds may be happening. Should it be happening? I mean, from a consumer point of view, is there
0: a logic in this? Yeah, I would have thought so. If you're thinking that your pounds uh, could be turned into something else, uh, that that other currency could potentially have a lower value, almost certainly would, given the economy of, of Scotland is is much smaller uh, than that of the rest of the UK. There's no real visibility yet in terms of how it would work if there were no currency union and there were an independence vote. But one uh, analyst, Sandy Chen of Sencos, has suggested that uh, redenomination could occur depending on the address of the bank account. So if your, address, your bank account's address was south of the border, then clearly you would still be in pounds. If it were north north of the border, there could be a redenomination of the money in that account. There's also a question, of course, about uh, banknotes as well. Uh, Scottish banknotes are different from banknotes issued by the Bank of England. Will there be less appetite within Scotland for Scottish banknotes than UK uh, Bank of England banknotes because of the concern that those Scottish banknotes could be dent in something which is less valuable?
1: Well, we'll, uh, we'll know the the answer to some of those questions at least uh, within 10 days when the Scottish independence vote actually happens, although uh, it should be remembered that even if there is a yes vote, then it'll take a good couple of years for anything to happen. That's it for this week. My thanks go to Richard Hopkin of AFME, and, of course, also to Sam and Daniel here in the studio. And also, thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Fiona Saliman. Until next week, goodbye. The FT.